Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Group Leaders Podcast for week six of the series, Made for More. I'm your host, Roy McMillan, and I can't believe we are already heading into the last week of this series. I think it's been an amazing series as we looked at the lives of people in the Bible who were made for more and saw how the things that we learned from them apply to our own lives. I hope that you have enjoyed the series as much as I have. In this final week, Pastor Marsha will be sharing a powerful word as she preaches on two people, the rich young ruler, who we find in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and Gideon, who we find in the book of Judges. So the first page of the study guide, the sermon study, focuses on those two people. The second page, the Exploring More study, focuses on the Apostle Paul and will also touch on Ananias, who God sent to Paul in Damascus. Let's dive into the study guide. In the sermon, Pastor Marsha will be looking at the contrast between these two men, as one, Gideon, reached his potential, the more that God had for him, while the other, the rich young ruler, was not willing to pay the price, to make the sacrifice needed to reach his potential. If you will be doing the sermon study, begin with the reflecting on this week's sermon section, which begins with the usual questions. As you reflect on Pastor Marsha's sermon for this week, what stood out to you as particularly helpful, difficult, insightful, or challenging? What was said that you feel prompted to apply in your own life? And how will you apply it? Give as much time as needed on these questions. Often, I have found in my own groups that these questions generate lots of great discussion. This week, there is an additional question in this section. It points out that Pastor Marcia shared about the rich young ruler and about Gideon. One of these men, Gideon, reached his potential, but the other, the rich young ruler, wasn't willing to pay the price. The question here is, which of these two can you identify with and why? For those who identify with Gideon, this will likely be an easy question to answer. It's easy to share successes. But for those who identify with the rich young ruler, it may not be as easy. If some in the group share that they feel that they identify with the rich young ruler who wasn't willing to pay the price necessary to reach his potential, encourage and pray with them as they seek to turn things around and become more like a Gideon. The Digging for More section of the study has two sets of questions. The first focuses on the rich young ruler, while the second focuses on Gideon. In looking at the rich young ruler, we will focus on the account of the rich young ruler in the Gospel of Mark. Before getting into the questions, have one or two members of your group read Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 31. In the story of the rich young ruler, we see someone who desires more, a young man seeking eternal life. This young man, who is very rich, goes to Jesus and asks him what he must do in order to inherit the eternal life that he desires. As Jesus spoke to the young man, he could see that the whole, he could see the hold that riches had on the young man's heart and soul. And so Jesus told the young man what he was lacking. Jesus told the young man that in order to inherit eternal life, 
He must sell all his possessions, give the money to the poor, and then follow Jesus. By doing so, by paying the price necessary to reach his potential, the young man would receive something of far greater value, the treasures of heaven. But the young man walked away sad. The hold that his riches had on him was too great. He wasn't willing to pay the price. Sometimes the more that we were made for comes with a price. It may require some kind of sacrifice on our part. We may need to give up our personal expectations in order to step into the expectations that God has for us. We may need to turn from things that keep us from being the more that we were made for. There are three groups of questions in this part of the study. The first asks, in order to reach your potential to be the more you were made for, what price will you need to pay? What sacrifices will you have to make, or what sacrifices have you already made? To reach the potential that we have been given by God, the more He made us for, may require that we give up things in our lives. These things may not necessarily be bad things. The rich young ruler was told by Jesus that in order to inherit eternal life, he should sell all of his possessions and give the money to the poor. Those possessions were not bad in and of themselves, but Jesus knew the hold that they had on the young man's life, and he knew that for this young man to reach his potential, he had to be willing to let go of them. The same could be true for any one of us. If there are things that we are allowing to have a hold on us, that we are not willing to part with in order to reach our potential, we may never realize the more that we were made for. The next question asks, are there personal expectations that you are holding on to, expectations that you need to let go of to become the more you are made for? If so, what are they? Sometimes the hardest things for us to let go of are our own expectations. We have our plans and dreams, and these make up the expectations that we have as we go through life. But when our expectations either don't line up with what we feel God is calling us to do or to be, or when we put our expectations ahead of God's expectations, then it may be time for us to let go of those expectations to become the more that we were made to, were made to be, may require us to do this. The last question here asks, are you willing to make sacrifices or give up expectations in order to reach your potential? The more you were made for. If yes, why? If no, why not? This may be a tough one for some people to answer. I'm sure that all of us want to be willing to do this, but if we are honest, it may not be that easy and we may struggle with it. Don't be afraid of silence. Give people time to think and time to answer before moving on. As always, if someone shares a struggle, be sure to encourage them and pray for them to conquer that struggle. The next set of questions is based on the story of Gideon. Before asking the questions, have a few of the members of your group read Judges chapter 6, verses 1 to 6, and verses 11 to 16, and Judges chapter 7, verses 1 to 22. 
In Gideon, we see someone who, unlike the rich young ruler, did reach his potential because he was willing to trust in God. God told Gideon that he would be the one to rescue Israel from the Midianites. But Gideon responded by pointing out that his clan was the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and that he himself was the least of that weak clan. But here's the thing. God saw more in Gideon. God told Gideon that he would be with him and that he would destroy the Midianites. Gideon put his trust in God, and with just 300 men, Gideon defeated the Midianites, just as God said he would. When we trust God to help us to reach our potential, to be the more we were made for, he will help us to reach that potential. The first question here asks us to share how Gideon's story inspires us as we look to reach our own potential, to become the more we were made to be. For me, this story inspires me to push through with my studies as I work toward each level of ministry credentials. When I look at the story of Gideon, I see that what I need to do is trust in God. He has called me to do what I am doing, and he will be with me as I accomplish it. The next question asks, has there been a time in your life when you felt like Gideon, that you were the least likely person to accomplish the more God had for you? Did that hold you back, and why? For me, the answer to the first part of the question is a definite yes. As I have made my way through the process of obtaining ministry credentials, like Gideon, I have found myself saying, who am I to do this? There are so many people more qualified than me. I am not a young man anymore, and there are so many more who would be more suited to this than I am. Like Gideon, I have looked at myself as the least of those who should be doing God's work. The last question in this part of the study guide asks, have you trusted God to help you reach your potential? And what was the result? As I think of my own potential, I have to say that I have trusted God to help me reach that potential. Honestly, I have also found that my trust has wavered, but that was not God's doing, but my own. I have allowed doubts to creep in. It helps to look at people like Gideon, Moses, Peter, and some of the others we have looked at in this series. When I see what God accomplished through them, my trust is strengthened. And when I trust God, I see that things happen. God allows me to step into areas of responsibility that I never believed would be given to me. That's all for the first page of the study. If your group does this page, since this is the last week of the series, you may want to take some time to allow your group to share what God has taught them through the series and what he has shown them about the more he made them for. The second page of the study, Exploring More Through Paul, looks at the life of the Apostle Paul, how he exemplifies the idea of being made for more, and how we can apply things that we see in his story to our lives. There are three sets of questions in this study, each beginning with scripture readings. For the first set of questions, begin by having members of your group read Acts chapter 7, verses 57 to 58, 
Acts 8, verses 1 to 3, and Acts 9, verses 1 to 2. Paul, whose name was originally Saul, was born in Tarsus. Although he was a Jew, he was also a Roman citizen. In Paul's own words, he was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, and we see that in 2 Corinthians 11.22 and Philippians 3.5. Paul was a Pharisee, and as he points out in Acts 23.6, he came from a family of Pharisees. In Acts 22.3, we see that he studied under Gamaliel and had a thorough knowledge of the Lord, of the law. When his life at this point in the story is measured by that law, Paul's life was blameless, as he points out in Philippians 3.6. Paul was a promising young Pharisee in Jerusalem, well on his way to becoming a great leader for the Jewish faith. As he put it in Galatians 1.14, he was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. Paul's zeal for the law was clear in his persecution of the church. He truly believed that he was serving God by persecuting the followers of Jesus Christ, and he did it with a clear conscience. Looking at the life of the Apostle Paul, we can clearly see someone who was made for more. Paul believed that the more he was made for was to uphold the law. And that belief led him to persecute the followers of Jesus. But as we see as Paul's story unfolds, is that what Paul thought God's call on his life was, was quite different from the more that God had for him. There are two questions here. The first is, have you ever misinterpreted God's call on your life? If so, how? As with some of the other application questions, this can be a tough one for people to answer, and it may be met with silence. Give time for the Holy Spirit to speak to the hearts of those in your group, and be sure to encourage those who answer. Above all, be sure not to judge those who believe that they have at some point misinterpreted God's call. At this point, you have been meeting for six weeks, and trust has probably been building in the group. Judging an answer to a question such as this can destroy that trust. The next question asks, how can we be sure that what we believe we are being called to is truly in line with the more we were made for? There is no set answer to this question. It may be different for everyone. For me, I would say that I can be sure that what I believe I am being called to is in line with the more God has made me for, if it requires me to use the gifts that God has given me. I would also say that prayer and studying the Word help me to be sure of this, as well as the feedback of other believers, especially those who are mature in their faith. The second set of questions is based on Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. Have someone in your group read this passage before moving on to the questions. On the way to Damascus to flush out the followers of Jesus living there and bring them back to Jerusalem in chains, Paul had an encounter that would change his life and put him on a course that was drastically different from the course on which he had originally been headed. As he neared Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly shone around Paul, 
and he fell to the ground. In that moment, Paul had a life-changing encounter with Jesus, the very person whose followers he was persecuting. After Jesus told Paul <clears throat> who he was, he told him to get up and go to the city to await further instructions. When Paul opened his eyes, he found that he was blind. With the help of his traveling companions, Paul got up and headed to Damascus, where he would learn of the more that God had made him for. Before meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus, Paul was following the path that he believed God had placed him on. But after he encountered Jesus and learned that he had actually been on the wrong path, Paul would learn that God had a completely different path for him to follow. The first question here is, have you ever found yourself on the wrong path? If so, how did you discover it was the wrong path, and what did God do in your life to get you on the right path? When I look at my life, I think about my writing. God gave me the ability to write well, an ability that I used effectively in jobs that I had throughout the years. At some point in my life, I felt that the path I needed to be on was in writing children's stories. I began to use my ability, my talent, for that purpose. But at some point, I discovered I was on the wrong path. Two things happened in my life to bring me to that realization. The first was the fact that, despite submitting several projects to publishers, I had not had success in getting them published. But the second was the one that really made me realize that I was on the wrong path and showed me the path God wanted me to be on. As I was doing my morning devotions and journaling one day, God spoke in my thoughts and told me that I should be sharing the things I was writing in my journal with others. Specifically, he told me to put them in a blog. I had never thought about using the gift God had given me for writing in that way, but I did exactly what I felt he wanted me to do. I have been writing and publishing blog posts for over two years now, and that blog has been read by people all over the world. Getting back to Paul, he had certain expectations in his life that led him to take the path that he did. But on that road to Damascus, Paul learned that he needed to let go of his expectations and open his heart and mind to hear the expectations that God had for his life, the more that God had made him for. The next question is, have you ever had to let go of your own expectations in order to discover what God's ex expectations of you were? If so, how? In 1996, my wife Linda and I were in the process of adopting a child. We were working with an organization that facilitated adoptions of children from Hungary. We began the process looking to adopt a baby. At one point, the facilitator told us to get ready because they expected to have a baby available for adoption in three weeks. And so we began setting up one of the rooms in our house as a nursery. We bought a crib, painted and decorated the room as a nursery. Friends at the church we attended at the time gave us a baby shower. We were ready for that baby. But three weeks came and went and no baby. 
We spoke to the facilitator and he told us that it had not worked out. He told us that we should just be patient. Soon after this, I felt God telling me that we should adopt an older child. But Linda really wanted a baby, so when I told her this, her response was basically, no way, I want a baby. But she agreed to pray about it. To make a long story short, one day Linda was reading Dr. Spock's book on childcare and came to a chapter on adoption. As she read it aloud to me, she got to a part where the author talked about how more people should consider adopting older children. Linda began to cry as she read this and said that as she read it, she had a vision of Paul being knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. She believed that God was telling her to let go of her expectations. This was in August. Several weeks later, we stepped in to the, into the more that God had made us for as we adopted an eight-year-old girl from Hungary. Before beginning the last set of questions, have someone read Acts chapter 9, verses 10 to 19. As Paul waited in the house of Judas on a street called Straight, God gave him a vision of a man called Ananias coming to lay hands on him and restore his sight. At the same time, God spoke to a believer in Damascus, Ananias, the very man who Paul saw in the vision. Now, Ananias knew of Paul's reputation. He knew that Paul was coming to Damascus to arrest believers. So when God told Ananias that he wanted him to go to Paul and lay hands on him, Ananias was available to do God's will, but hesitant out of fear of the things he had heard about Paul. But God told Ananias that Paul was his chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. Once convinced, Ananias lost no time going to find Paul and minister to him. As a result, God's name would be glorified as Paul became the more God had made him for. Had it not been for the conversion of Paul, we would never have heard of Ananias. And yet, Ananias played an important part in the work of the early church. Behind many of the well-known servants of God, we see lesser-known believers who influence them in some way. From this, we learn that God can, can and will use even the most insignificant or obscure person to do his work. God saw the more in Ananias, just as he saw the more in Paul. Not all of us have been made by God to be a Paul. But just like Ananias, God has made each of us for more. We are asked here to reflect on Paul, on Ananias, and on all of the other people we have looked at through this study, and then answer these questions. Can you see that God has clearly made each of us for more? What is the more that you believe you have been made for? I'm quite sure that through our studies of people like Paul, Ananias, Gideon, Moses, Peter, and all the rest, we all can answer yes to the first question. As I worked on these study guides, that became quite clear to me. Every one of us has been made for more. As far as the more I have been made for, I believe that 
God has made me to teach and to write. He has given me the gifting and the abilities that I need. He has placed the desire in my heart for these things. And he has provided the opportunities to begin stepping into the more he made me for. I hope and pray that each of you and the members of your group have come to see the more that you have been made for. If any in your group do not see the more they were made for, look at this as an opportunity for prayer. Pray with and for them and ask that God reveal to them not only that they were made for more, but that he will also reveal what the more is. When we look at the experience of Ananias in Acts chapter 9, verses 10 to 19, and then at the change that we see in Paul's life following that experience, we see that we should never be afraid to obey God's will. We should never be afraid to be the more that he has made us for. God's perfect will is always the best. The last questions for this study are, as you consider the more that you believe God has made you for, does fear keep you from moving towards it? If so, how does Ananias' experience help you in overcoming that fear? When I think about these questions, I would have to answer yes sometimes to the first one. I do sometimes let fear keep me from moving towards the more that God has for me. That fear for me comes from self-doubt, from feeling that I am not good enough, that I do not have what it takes. But when I look at Ananias and see how God used an obscure person with seemingly no real significance, I'm encouraged. Ananias' experience helps me to see that God has made me for more, and because he has done that, and because he will help me to do so, I can accomplish it. Well, that's it for this study guide and for this series. I hope that you have been blessed by the studies we have done, and I pray that God has been revealing to you the more that you were made for. Our study is over, but that doesn't mean your group has to end. After six weeks, a bond should be developing between the members of your group. Relationships should be being made, and the group should be becoming the place where each person connects, receives encouragement, and finds care as a member of the body at Evangel. I encourage you to continue to meet with your group. Get together for a meal. Do something fun together. Pray together. We will have another study beginning in May, and it would be great if groups stayed together for that one. I will be sending out more information about that in the near future. In the coming weeks, I'll be contacting everyone to see how your groups went and to get feedback on this study and small groups in general. I will also be looking to see who will be continuing to lead a group in the next season. In addition, I will likely do some training for group leaders and hope to put together a small group day where you'll have the opportunity to sit in on workshops of your choice. Stay tuned. Thanks for all that you do as small group leaders. This ministry is so vital to the health and growth of the body of Christ at Evangel. As it says in the small group's logo, small groups are changed lives doing life together. Father God, we give you glory and honor and praise. 
We thank you for all that you do in us and through us as you help us to discover and become the more that you have made us for. Lord, I thank you for each of these group leaders. I thank you for the heart that they have for serving and for encouraging others. I pray that you will bless them, that you will provide for them, and that you will give them all that they need as they step into the more that they were made to be. Bless them with good health, bless their homes, bless their families, and bless their groups. I pray all of this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you lead this week. Have a great time in group.